On today's episode, we're going to be going over an IV fluids crash course. Hey guys, what's up? This is Sean from the Nurse Dose Podcast, and today we're going to be going over IV fluids, basically all things IV fluids, and we're going to be going through basically a crash course on the different kinds and what they do and what you can use them for. But before we get to that, I just wanted to do some housekeeping real quick. Um, we are so close to a thousand followers on Instagram. And I just wanted to say there might be a big giveaway coming up once we get to a thousand followers. So you definitely want to be following when that happens. Um, also, if you have not followed this uh, podcast on Spotify and iTunes or given it a rating, please do so if you get something from this uh, podcast, because it really means a lot to me and it really helps the podcast naturally grow. Anyways, let's get to the topic for today's episode, which again is IV fluids. And this is one of the things that kind of takes a little bit of time to master. And if you do not have any supplemental education that you are doing when you go into the ICU or any kind of nursing in general, to be honest, it takes a while to really master the concept of IV fluids, which ones to use for different situations and which ones not to use. So um, let's get right into it. And first, we're going to be talking kind of a little bit about the physiology of IV fluids and why they are so important. So we all know that the human body is made up mostly of water, mostly of fluid. And that is why IV fluids are so important to care and to medicine, um, because it is a big makeup of our body. Um, and then the force that kind of distributes this fluid is osmosis, which is basically the distribution of water from an area of low solute concentration to an area of high concentration. So basically, if you had a membrane that is permeable, that water can go back and forth um, between. Um, and it's, it has to be semi-permeable because we can't allow the solutes to go from, you know, left to right or, you know, across the membrane. So if you have one side that has a bunch of, let's say, um, sodium ions, and then the other side has none, water is going to naturally flow from the low concentration, which is the side with no sodium ions to the side of high sodium ions. So it, it's almost like it's trying to equal out the concentration between both sides. And now I don't know if y'all have seen these videos of these, um, it's like a semi-permeable um, container, almost like a tube that is filled with like basically salty water. Um, and then it is placed into a glass of, you know, just regular water that's not, uh, doesn't have as much salt in it. And what you see is after a little while, this um, container, the small tube of salty water actually gets very um, taut. Sometimes it gets bigger just depending on, you know, what they used. And it really demonstrates how that movement of water from low concentration to high concentration really works. And this is basically what drives 
the use of IV fluids in medicine and what uh, causes these different effects from these different fluids, which we'll talk about here in a second. So before we get to that, there's a couple of terms that we need to become familiar with. So we've already gone over osmosis, which is that process of distributing water from areas of low solute concentration to areas of high solute concentration. The driving force that affects that is tonicity, um, which uh, is the solute concentration that is dissolved within the solution, which is also related to osmolarity. And osmolarity is the total concentration of solutes dissolved in a solution. And osmolar osmolarity and osmolality are kind of the same thing. It's just osmolarity is per liter while osmolality is per gram. So we're gonna be going through osmolarity um, when it comes down to IV fluids. And osmolarity is what I'm gonna be talking a lot about when it comes to these different fluids because depending on the osmolarity, it's going to determine for the most part if a solution is hypotonic, isotonic, or hypertonic. And now I know I just kind of threw those terms out at you without explaining what they are, but let's get into it real quick. So before we can really go over what hypotonic, isotonic, and hypertonic mean, we have to know what the osmolarity of human plasma is. Um, because this is what determines if a fluid is hypotonic isotonic or hypertonic because it's all relative to what the osmolarity of human plasma is. So there is a little bit of wiggle room, but for the most part, human plasma is 308 milliosmoles per liter. So anything that is above that, let's say 400, you know, um, 350, anything like that is going to be considered hypertonic and now we can go all the way up to like a thousand which is super hypertonic um, and hypertonic fluids they like i said they have a higher solute concentration than human plasma and this favors movement from an intracellular space to an intravascular so it's almost like when you give these fluids into the vasculature it causes the fluid inside the cells to be pulled out into the vasculature. So almost like it dehydrates the cells. And now on the other hand, if you have a fluid, an IV fluid that is lower in osmolarity, let's say it's below 300, um, you know, in the low 200s, maybe 100 and something, then that is going to be considered hypotonic. Now, hypotonic solutions, they are lower solute concentration than human plasma, and they favor movement from the intravascular space into the intracellular space. So it's the opposite of hypertonic. So you're actually pushing fluid from the intravascular space into the cells in order to hydrate them. You can kind of think of it that way. Um, so like we were talking with hypertonic, you're pulling fluid from the cells. With hypotonic, you are pushing fluid into the cells. And now going back to what we were talking about with osmosis, you can kind of see how this happens because if the osmolarity of a hypotonic solution is lower than that of human plasma, of the intracellular um, compartment, then that's going to cause the uh, fluid that you introduce via IV fluids to go into that higher concentration fluid that is within the cells. 
And finally, when you have a fluid that is approximately the same osmolarity as human plasma, we call that fluid isotonic. Uh, so like I said, these have roughly the same concentration of solutes as plasma, and it doesn't really affect movement between the intravascular space into the intracellular. It kind of just um, fills up the tank in the intravasculature and causes like a balanced movement. There's no back and forth. It's a balanced movement because it's basically the same as the human plasma that is already present. Okay, now that we've gotten the basics of IV fluids out of the way and how they work, um, let's talk about the four uses for IV fluids. So first is going to be resuscitation. Um, and this is going to be used for large fluid volume losses or hemodynamic instability uh, that is caused by th such things like uh, massive vasodilation um, that you would see in sepsis. Uh, this is usually done with isotonic fluids um, and blood products. And blood products are going to be isotonic in that they have the same solute concentration as the human plasma that is already um, present within your patient's body. So it's just blood going into blood. So there's not going to be any net movement. It's just going to be filling up the tank. Next, we have routine maintenance, and this is used for patients that are unable to intake oral fluids uh, for whatever reason, or if a patient is NPO before a surgery, but they still need to be hydrated. Um, a, rate, a routine maintenance of uh, fluids would be uh, prescribed in certain situations um, to keep that patient hydrated. Um, and this is usually done with isotonic fluids or hypotonic to hydrate. Next we have replacement and replacement is going to be a less serious version of resuscitation. Uh, this is for patients that do not need the full resuscitation of IV fluids, but do need a fluid balance correction with some electrolyte replacement as well. So this is used when you have a patient that has ongoing losses of fluid in, in certain cases like uh, vomiting or diarrhea. Um, and this is usually done with isotonic or hypotonic fluids with the necessary electrolyte replacements added on top. And the final use for IV fluids is going to be redistribution. So this is going to be for patients with shifts in fluid distribution, like third spacing. Um, it is also used for patients that have heart failure, liver failure, because that ascites and the pulmonary edema can cause shifts in fluid that we need to get back into the vasculature. So that is why uh, these certain uh, fluids are used to redistribute this fluid back into the vasculature. Um, so the fluid really depends on the etiology of the distribution, um, mostly hypertonic solutions used for things such as cerebral edema, and then you'll have such things like colloid um, administration like albumin for liver failure. So as you can see, there are a ton of different IV fluids that can be administered for different problems. Um, but there are two different categories that we are used to in the ICU and in medicine in general, and that's crystalloids and colloids. Now, crystalloids are solutions with electrolytes and sometimes sugars like dextrose, which determine the tonicity of the solution and the osmolarity of the solution. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a couple moments and talk to you about my Etsy store for the Nurse Dose podcast. 
Um, it is something that I have started doing where I'm making cheat sheets for the ICU for the devices we take. Um, I'm doing one right now on pacemakers and it is something that I honestly wish I had as a new grad and even someone who has been working in the unit for um, years and years. It's uh, nice information to have at your fingertips, especially when you haven't taken certain patients in a while. So if that's something that you're interested in, go ahead and follow the link in the show notes to my Etsy where you will find cheat sheets and everything else that you need to feel comfortable in the ICU. Now let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into crystalloids and go over the specific fluids that we use that are isotonic, hypotonic, and hypertonic. Um, So the isotonic solution that is mainly used in the ICU and that a lot of people are familiar with is normal saline. Now this is 0.9% saline and is our primary isotonic fluid. Um, However, the sodium content is actually much higher than that of a normal human plasma and does not have the the normal saline doesn't have any other electrolytes which are essential in plasma. Um, So now it is sometimes referred to as an unbalanced solution. Now, being isotonic, you can guess the osmolarity is going to be about the same as human plasma being around 300 when human plasma is also around 300. Um, but there are other isotonic solutions, crystalloids that we do use that might be a better uh, fit for some other uh, indications. So there are some balanced crystalloids like lactated ringers and plasmolite that both have a, a osmolarity that is close to human plasma. It's a bit lower, um, but do have advantages such as including a pH buffer as well as essential electrolytes like potassium, calcium, and sometimes magnesium. Now, this is why a lot of people are moving away from using normal saline as a regular maintenance fluid to something like plasmolite or lactated ringers. However, uh, care needs to be used when you're using lactated ringers as the lactate is converted into bicarb. But in liver patients who might not be able to convert this lactate as readily, it can cause a false high. Also, the lactate could be converted into glucose, which can then cause hyperglycemia. Now, patients with some kind of liver disease where that is an issue, uh, plasmolite would probably be the better choice, but it's... uh, pH buffer, which is acetate, actually does come with its own risk, which is uh, uh, it suppresses myocardial contractility and can it can cause um, hypotension. So um, this is specifically in patients that are undergoing CRT. So that is something else that needs to be addressed if you're thinking of using this fluid. Now, in general, Isotonic crystalloids are what are used primarily when it comes to resuscitation and replacement. However, it needs to be addressed that um, specific electrolyte replacement might need to follow, especially if you're using um, normal saline. Now, when it comes to hypotonic crystalloids, there are two main fluids that we use, and that is going to be half normal saline, which is point four or five percent. It can go down to a third saline. Um, Just anything that is less than 
0.9%, which is normal saline. And then you have dextrose 5% in water. And so the interesting thing about D5W, dextrose 5% in water, is that the dextrose in the solution does contribute to the osmolarity, which is 406, which is 100 more than what human plasma is. So you'd think it would make it a hypertonic solution. But the dextrose does not affect the tonicity due to the fact that glucose molecules can cross the cell membrane easily, unlike sodium or chloride ions. So they do not contribute to the tonicity of the fluid. So it ends up being a hypotonic solution. And how most people kind of remember this is they see the glucose, the dextrose, as being um, metabolized, and that just leaves you with free water, which is obviously hypotonic because there's no sodium and nothing in it. It's just free water. And that would definitely be hypotonic. And now these hypotonic solutions um, aid in hydration by causing a fluid to shift from the intravascular to the intracellular space. And this is commonly used when excessive free water has been lost via diabetes insipidus due to DKA. Um, But however, excessive use could cause cellular swelling like cerebral edema. And even more excessive use could cause hyponatremia, which can then cause hyponatremic encephalopathy. And this is why uh, hypotonic solutions are mainly used for routine maintenance or some slight replacements. You never want to bolus uh, fluids like these uh, to the point where you are dropping down the sodium level and causing that swelling, that excessive swelling of the soft tissues. Now, finally, on the other hand, you have hypertonic solution, and these solutions have a considerably higher osmolarity than human plasma and cause a shift in fluid from the intracellular space to the intravascular space. And uh, the main fluid that we have for this category is going to be 3% saline. So we know that our normal saline, which matches up with the osmolarity of human plasma, is 0.9% sodium chloride. So when you have 3% sodium chloride, you get an osmolarity of 1026. So this is most definitely a higher osmolarity, causing it to be a super hypertonic solution. And so this will cause a fluid shift from the soft tissues, from the cellular space into the intravascular space. And this is used a lot for Um, either hyponatremia, which uh, can help bring up the sodium levels slowly um, if you use it correctly, and it is also used for um, things such as cerebral edema uh, to reduce the swelling of the brain in certain situations. Now, when you're administering a fluid like uh, 3% saline, Um, It is important that the patient is in some kind of critical care environment so that routine monitoring can be done as well as um, routine labs just to make sure that the sodium level is not creeping up too fast, which could cause um, irreversible neurological conditions such as central pontine myelinolysis. So it is very important that diligent monitoring of sodium levels and osmolality is done in order to prevent this. And that's a pretty good overview of the crystalloids that we use every day in the ICU. 
but um, there is a second category of fluids and that is colloids. Um, so colloids are special because they do not work on the premise of osmolarity um, and osmolality or, or um, tonicity, but they work more on oncotic pressures. And now this is something that is related to the proteins that are present in colloids. So colloids are solutions that contain large insoluble molecules like proteins or starches um, that are relatively impermeable to cell membranes. So these molecules help restore the fluid, the intravascular fluid by pulling in almost like a hypertonic solution, but it works in a different way with proteins. Now, it used to be thought that for every liter of colloids that you administered, you'd get something in the realm of three to four liters of volume expan expansion compared to crystalloids. Um, but there are new studies that say that uh, about one liter of albumin administration is equal to about one and a half liters of crystalloid solution. So while it's not a huge advantage, albumin does still have a tiny um, bit of utility when it comes to colloids versus crystalloids. Now, the main colloid that I'm going to be talking about is albumin. There are other um, colloids out there like HETA starch and dextran, which are not as popular and they have their own um, setbacks that causes them not to be used as much in the ICU. But um, we'll talk a little bit about albumin for a little bit. It's a large endogenous protein that is actually synthesized from um, the liver, but when we use it in a um, synthetic form uh, that you find in those vials, it is actually harvested from human plasma and it's available in two forms. There's a 5% and a 25% solution. Um, the 5% is actually classified as iso-oncotic, so it's kind of like the isotonic solutions, and it's uh, used for hypovolemic states and increases your fluid volume by uh, approximately 100%. Meanwhile, when you have the 25% solution, it is hyper-oncotic, and it actually increases your plasma volume by approximately 400%. Now, I had somebody in my Instagram ask me um, how to know when to choose a colloid versus a crystalloid, and what seems to be the consensus from uh, research papers and other nursing journals is that um, with the research that is available, it seems like there is no uh, huge difference between the two in terms of fluid resuscitation, but it is... Um, the, the prevailing wisdom is that uh, crystalloids should be used initially, and if that does not produce the effect that is warranted, then uh, colloids should then be administered. Now, a lot of people use colloids in the fact that um, there is a lot of third spacing that needs to be pulled back into the vasculature, and in that way, it could be more beneficial than crystalloids. So it just has to go from a case-to-case -case basis in terms of which to use, um, either colloids or crystalloids. But um, like we said before, there's not a huge advantage to using um, albumin or colloids um, instead of crystalloids. So you just have to kind of weigh the pros and cons. 
Now with albumin being a plasma derived product, it does carry the risk of carrying bloodborne pathogens. Um, it also does, um, carry the risk of some anaphylactic reactions, although they are pretty rare. So it is very important that you do monitor these patients whenever you are administering um, any colloids such as albumin. Now that's a pretty good overview of the IV fluids that we use in the ICU and the um, demonstration of how uh, different fluids can be isotonic, hypotonic, or hypertonic in what we use them for in the different kinds of fluids that we have like crystalloids and colloids. Now it is very important that whenever administering IV fluid, it, I know it seems like a very easy thing to just uh, give it and forget it, but it is very important that we monitor monitor these patients for things like fluid overload, pulmonary edema, um, any kind of swelling or dehydration that could be caused by either hypotonic or hypertonic solutions. IV fluids do seem to be pretty um, harmless, but there are things that can happen if the patient is not monitored properly. So that is pretty much all I have for y'all today in terms of IV fluids. This was just a very quick crash course over the different kinds that we use and their implications. So if y'all have any questions, you can find me on my Instagram at nursedoseofficial, or you can go on my website, uh, nursedose.org. All right. Well, I hope that has answered somebody else's questions. If, like I said, if you have any questions, reach out to me, but if not, I will talk to y'all later. Bye.